Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability. We also discuss truth here, and I'm an incest and rape survivor before foster care and emancipation, which I also talk about sometimes. You see, there is a house in my hometown of Walla Walla that held a bunch of secrets. I believe there was some harm that happened there long before I ever saw the face of that house. Hmm. But before we get into it, or as we get into it, expanses of irises. I heard trains going by late at night in our backyard between the raspberry brambles and that locked up shack, shack in the back there. Anyway, let's talk about what you're going to get when you get here. BDSM, kink, uh, willful recovery, therapy, willful education, service work, 12-step, agnosticism, atheism, Buddhism, God, ancestors, and you should know that this place is a place where I bring my mother, or I think of my mother, Darlene. This whole podcast is just an homage to my love for her, trying to connect to her somehow, trying to reach through that ether like Orpheus and Eurydice after they was walking out of Hades. Yeah. I want to get to the mechanics, but I got a big burgeoning thing I want to talk about here. So I'm crawling in there trying to get through the mechanics. Let's get the, the mechanics out of the way and get to the meat of it. Yeah, we talk about some hard topics here and some of the rape, incest, you know, domestic violence, recovery, therapy. Uh, oh, I like dancing. Talk about that some too, but that's music. That's another conversation too. And as we're going to find out today, a movie, one particular movie. Mm. Sometimes we have to take responsibility and to quote one of my spiritual teachers, you sacrifice your alignment for your interests. <laughs> yeah. So you have to be careful and be mindful about what you think about some, because you're going to draw what you think about. That's what they say. All right. So mm -mm -mm. if things are kicking up for you with mental health, if you think that this stuff might trigger you and you need to take a little break, uh, you need to talk to a licensed therapist. You need to go to somebody who's board certified, uh, someone you feel comfortable with. Um, yeah, a licensed therapist is a good choice many times. That is not me. This is one person's experience. This is one case study of a girl trying to be present and be also present back there because there's a lot back there that I'm still echoing to. So get yourself to a licensed therapist. Please use your discernment. If you've got problems kicking up with mental health, um, there's a suicide hotline in my notes. There's also a domestic violence, sexual assault hotline. Uh, it's uh, called the uh, 1-800-SEXUAL-ASSAULT line. You could try those too if, you, if you're in a pinch and you just need somebody in the middle of the night and you don't got nobody to talk to. That's an option. I'll also say this. Usually within your location, geographically, there's going to be a couple centers against rape and domestic violence or there's going to be domestic violence shelters. Those are going to be places that are going to help you find resources too. Um, there's one in my state in Oregon that has a 24-hour a hotline that I have to call the time or two. And that organization I volunteered at uh, for a couple decades now and again. So there's options out there. There's people that you may not have a solution tonight, but sometimes you just need someone to hear you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got some options and you ain't alone. <laughs> you ain't never alone. Okay. In my perception. So um, let's see what else we got. You know what? I, I 
got a little website, kind of humble about it. It's called anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. That's uh, my mom's nickname for my, my nickname for her. That's the one we picked up. Yeah. I got my podcast there. Got my notes there. There's a couple donate buttons. You could take a polish on those. I'd like that. <laughs> I keep it modest about five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. I need to really. So anyway, that's what I got. You can go over there and check that out. Hey, okay. I'd sure appreciate it. That would be really nice. I'd feel good knowing that you were checking that out. Okay. Here at the house on Valencia Street, I draw boundaries and I put a fence around the house because it's not going to be somebody who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped or how to recover or how to be autonomous or asexual or be kinky or be in a thruple. You know, nobody's going to be telling me necessarily how to do that, right? So um, you got to use your discernment and figure it out as you go, right? Okay, so what's, what are we doing next year? Is that the big hits? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. We in. We're burning in pollen entry. Here we go. Zoom. Okay, here we go. It's uh, December 13th, 2022. And I feel like a bad girl today. <laughs> oh, ugh. okay, here we go. I'm not quite sure how we're going to do this, but let's give it, figure it out. Okay, well, it may sound simple to you and what you indulge in. Uh, I, there's things that I'm fine indulging in. For example, cannabis is one way I check out sometimes. And sometimes I smoke a little much and sometimes I smoke just enough and Thank God for cannabis. There's been panic attacks that my blood pressure has been so high. So one, you know, 180 over 110, you know, look at a stroke and heart attack levels. Uh, marijuana can take it down. Okay. It'll bring down, marijuana will bring down your panic attacks, anxiety attacks. Well, somewhat depends on how you use it. It'll increase your pulse rate, but it'll lower your, uh, blood pressure see and i have to have that in the house because i don't have ativan or xanax because i don't have insurance because i go to the free clinic to get my blood pressure medication and because they don't give out benzos or anything that's going to be altering there right so um they're gonna they assume that everybody that goes to a free clinic is an addict with chemicals which is not necessarily the case so i think when you're following a spiritual program especially if you're trying to keep your mental health in check sometimes you try to meter and measure yourself and be mindful of what you're focusing on because when you wander depending on your spiritual perspective or your mental health perspective one thought begets another thought begets another thought i was listening to i was listening on uh, youtube to a person talk about a near-death experience and how they saw a visual of how people thought and felt there's all kinds of conjecture and experiences or thoughts about you know, count your blessings, accentuate the positive, that type of thing. Now, sometimes that can be toxic if it's in denial. That can be toxic if it's, uh, well, they call it toxic positivity. There's a phrase for it, toxic positivity. <clears throat> you got to balance that, right? But I remember hearing a, a woman who had passed away and come back talking about how when she died, it was in an operating room, uh, there were complications and she passed, right? So... Her spirit, she talked about her spirit floating out of the body and was kind of going around the room. And I appreciate hearing people talk about their near-death experiences because when I was a teenager, having all these channeling and remote viewing experiences, I didn't understand what was going on. But something that would happen when I would sleep is I'd go out of my body and then I'd float up and then I'd bounce around on the ceiling and then I'd go out of the room in the corners. For some reason, I'd left the room in the corners. And that seemed kind of strange to me, you know, because I, you know, when I was younger and trying to sort it out, but uh, that was a consistent pattern. And even when I was younger, when I do remote viewing and stuff, 
you would fly. You'd be flying. You're going over large expanses while you were going to the location, and you were drawn there spiritually, almost like a, a network or um, like trees and branches, you know, or veins and capillaries. You were just in the flow, you know. And um, so this woman was talking about dying. And she was out of her body and she didn't understand. She could kind of understand because she was in this room with, a, you know, all these people around. People were having thoughts and people were having thoughts and she could see these thoughts. Some of the thoughts that were coming out of them, they were almost like graphical re representations. And I don't know why that was, but that's a correlation, you know. And you sit there and think, well, if your spirit is not physical matter, then why would it bounce along on a ceiling, you know, but that's what it was. This description she had was like the thoughts of the people when she'd focus on them, the thoughts would come out of their heads and then she would see like this, uh, like a note, almost like a stanza in music where this note would pop up and then she'd see these other notes flow to it and then other notes would flow to it and she'd see these kind of clumping energetically where people have a thought, then another thought, and then they would kind of form and start drawing other thoughts to it. And it was like this kind of magnetic thing where they would just kind of slowly float to each other. That concept of where you focus, how you focus, is going to bring more of it, right? So if you're a rape or incest survivor and you've got to deal with rape memories or beating memories or people telling you you're, you, you deserve to be dead, you know, they're going to kill you and they're going to tell you how they're going to do it. And then they're going to tell you that every once in a while for years, you know, that's going to impact anybody. <laughs> And I survived it, and I'm talking about it here at the house. So anyway, as I've matured and as I've been trying to get aligned, you know, uh, when it comes to Buddhism, meditation, prayer, etc., when you can get focused mentally, there's a lot you can conquer or there's a lot you can be present with, right? Even the difficult stuff, right? So it's good to keep a clean mental space when it comes to what you focus on. Let me give you an example. I like me some nine-inch nails. Yeah. Mm. And Nine Inch Nails was a developmental phase for me. Um, hell, I can remember going to a Nine Inch Nails concert in Portland. And I went with my buddy, uh, what should I call her? Goth chick? Blondie? <laughs> uh, no, that's not respect in her. She was an identical twin. I worked with her in my IT career. She was a tall glass of water. She was blonde and she had big blonde hair that was almost white, gold, blonde, and it was curly and huge. And it would get down, down her shoulders and she loved to wear black vinyl. Uh, she was into nine inch nails. She wore black lipstick. Well, I'll name her. Her name's Callie. I'll name her because I haven't seen her in a decade or more. I wouldn't know how to find her. It'd be hard to find her these days. We used to like to go adventuring together sometimes. We had a mutual dance buddy, a man. <clears throat> Dave, my dance buddy from long ago. And she was tall and slender and she was maybe a size zero or three. And here I was a little kind of fire plug, kind of short, stocky, like, you know, look good looking enough, but more athletic, more a little bit muscular. Right. So we went to a nine inch nails concert one port once in Portland. Then we went to a straight bar afterwards. And then this beautiful woman that was intoxicating. That reminds me of what I'm about to talk to you about this movie. She looked at me across this huge, beautiful old bar and I was wearing my leather jacket. I think I had a nose ring on. I might've had a dog collar with spikes on, you know, it's nine inch nails after all. David Bowie was performing then. They were going through kind of an industrial phase together. As I've matured, gotten into my Buddhism, gotten into my meditation, that negative music, that uh, heartbreak city shit um, draws more. 
right? And then you just kind of get comfortable in that little rut you've got, right? You just keep repeating it. And it's like, God, it feels so good to talk about this shitty stuff. And the thing is, I think you got to talk about stuff. Be honest, yet you can really, well, like I talked to you about that image of this woman who passed away. And then she actually was saved. She came back and she had some afterlife experiences. But seeing the thoughts as she was out of her body and seeing that she could see in a 360, you know, she could see all around her. She could feel people's thoughts. That's interesting to me. Um, I found that if I daily meditate and I sit down and I'm selectively sifting and I'm focusing on different things, um, I feel better. I feel a, a lot better cumulatively. And so a lot of times it's indirect, see. It's not a conscious thing a lot of times in my experience. So there are dark tastes and dark flavors that I like from my old days, you know, when I was becoming, when I knew I was bisexual. And um, let's see. So, I don't like to let myself go back to this. Partially because there's something forbidden about it. Partially because it's something that helped develop me into something else. A movie that impacted me is part of me. It's kind of in my body, but I, I may want to deny it now and again. So, being Buddhist and trying to keep track of my alignment and the way I focus, I sometimes don't let myself indulge in things that I enjoy, that I used to enjoy, because I can sit there and focus and hyperfixate for all kinds of time. For example, uh, in my 20s and 30s, I remember a time or two where I would just listen to Nine Inch Nails on repeat, downward spiral, and just grind. You can also do housework pretty good on music like that because uh, anger kind of charges you. Yeah. Um, maybe you've ever been in that position where you were angry and pissed off and felt out of control. So what you did was you turned on some fucking loud music and cranked it out and did your dishes and folded your laundry and did some screaming and yelling while you was singing out whatever it was you was exercising, exorcising, right? So <clears throat> these days I find I'm better and happier spiritually if I keep myself pretty clean, meaning that I focus on stuff with love and I focus on those that I care about and I don't focus so much on the darkness or the anger or the manipulation or the seduction or the other energies that we all know are out there, right? This movie came out about 1983, was it 83? Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie and Susan Sarandon and William Defoe were all part of this film called The Hunger. The Hunger. Now, it's a vampire movie. It's a horror movie. That's what they say it is. Although if you watch the movie, there's so much visual beauty. There's so many winks and nods. And it's just like you're walking into some type of foreign ephemeral place. Uh, early in my orientation as a bisexual, um, or as a person who's attracted to men or women, it was always kind of forbidden or in my hometown of Walla Walla, Washington. I didn't know any gay women 
that I was conscious. Well, uh, let me correct that. <clears throat> I had a PE teacher, one or two, that was a flaming dyke. Uh, <laughs> That uh, they couldn't be out. Yeah. And actually in junior high in Walla Walla, there was a choir director who shower named Nameless and his wife uh, who shower named Nameless. The choir directors are people I ended up spending a lot of time with uh, from junior high to high school. Uh, five hours to 10 hours a week uh, singing with these people, uh, training my voice. So, um, but he was very effeminate. He was exceedingly effeminate and he just would... He was slender, he was sinewy, he wore glasses, and he was a really nice person, you know? Um, but I think he was gay, 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 or at least bisexual. Uh, I think Saturday Night Live had a series called uh, uh, The Effeminate Heterosexual, and it was a series for long, a long, long time. Everybody thought he was gay, but he was straight. <laughs> I don't know if that fly these days, but... Uh, that they were a married couple, uh, this choir director and this English teacher. Uh, I didn't care so much for her. I never had a class with her, uh, but I, I loved him. I thought he was a great guy. Um, they were a married couple, but she was a bulldog, and he was a sinewy, gay fella, I believe. Um, and they covered. That's how they covered. Yeah. So uh, that's how that happened in Walla Walla. You, you wasn't out. Not them. No. So for your orientation, if it wasn't anything but straight, right? So I got to go through emancipation. I got to go through foster care. I got to go to college or I chose to go to college and I, I had to. That's what had to happen. There was no way I was going to get out of there if I didn't get to college, you know? So, so this movie comes along called The Hunger, see, with David Bowie and Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon and... William Defoe's first part, I think. It was just off, like a little interaction at a phone booth. Uh, phone booths were where people had landline phone lines that you could make phone calls from. <laughs> uh, there might be a couple of them around now and again. I found in some geographic locations, if you end up studying people that like to go to remote locations or uh, abandoned mines or haunted houses or ghost towns or whatever, sometimes when you're in an area where you don't have reception, cell reception, uh, they'll make sure there's a landline payphone around because otherwise you may not be able to get phone call out if there's a problem, right? So anyway, uh, this movie called The Hunger seemed to kind of be offering something that I didn't have in Walla Walla. And it was dark and it was scary and it was men and women fucking and it was women and women fucking and it was a way to be lesbian it was a way to be engaged and beautiful and cerebral um the soundtrack i listened to that soundtrack regularly consistently for at least a decade or two um the movie is scored with ravel uh with uh delibes lakmi bach i think there's some bach in there um also bauhaus bella lugosi's dead uh, which set the tone for the movie and uh, opens with the movie, right, as they're hunting before they strike. And, uh, yeah, Deliba's Lock Me is a very important song in that movie. 
sophisticated a palette for a particular type of music and it's also setting a tone a very somber tone which this movie is quite somber in some ways so the gist of the movie is that Catherine Deneuve and David Bowie are vampires uh the fashion it was more mod cat mm. cat's eye glasses um 1940s fashion perhaps a veil over your face with beaded pearls um shoulder pads huge shoulder pads uh long cigarettes smoking you know those little tiny sinewy little cigarette holders that were um black and shiny yeah like a dagger yeah there's a couple daggers in this movie that are quite important as well onks onks from kicking back to egyptian uh, theology so why don't i go to this movie or why am i talking about it i let myself watch it tonight <laughs> and as i look around my house i've got all my technicolor lights that i litter around indirectly they're all i change them all to red the color of blood because i was watching a movie about blood and vampires this movie talked about mm, living forever it talked about spirits and souls and the, the eye candy <laughs> um most scenes have long diaphanous draping open curtains and you always feel like you can kind of see things but you kind of can't which is the whole point of the movie you're seeing something and it's a fragment as a jigsaw puzzle piece but you don't know what's going on here and it doesn't feel right and your intuition is knocked off but you feel like you're drawn you're drawn like a like a siren like a heartbeat like something that's drawing you that you can't turn away it has a a sense of um intoxication and overwhelming um these characters in the movie also communicate telepathically um which is something that i was learning about at the time i watched this movie and there's this huge scene in the middle you know after david bowie because david bowie and catherine deneuve look very good together cultivated refined a bit tired of it all yeah there's a couple secrets in the movie but i'll just talk about a few of the things that come to me um the love scene between Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon which plays to Deliba's Lock Me I believe it's the flower duet kind of unfolds and there's these little snippets and these back and forths and you know Miriam the woman who is the queen vampire the one who has a bunch of caskets up in her attic with her former lovers because once she would infect them with her blood they'd last three or four hundred years but after three or four hundred years everything would switch everything would change and they would dramatically uh age within two or three days they would be going from a 30 40 year old beautiful specimen to an old decrepit falling apart dying you know creep show kind of a corpse that was still alive right so what happens is after three or four hundred years david bowie they have been together they hunt they go to all kinds of dive bars and industrial complex areas maybe it's just a flash uh, dance for that night from hell up in portland back in the day i've been to a couple of uh 
there used to be a magazine called The Rocket, and it would have all the alternative music scene in Portland. And it would also tell you about the kink and BDSM dungeons and that type of thing. I remember one particular night we went to a huge, huge, it was at a huge, huge um, warehouse area that nobody seemed to be in. And it was, uh, we had to dig around to get there. It was kind of creepy because once you go into industrial places and towns uh, where they're kind of relegated to these industrial complexes, during the day they're quite bustling and busy, but at night there's no residentials around. So you walk around and it's like a ghost town. Also, it's a little bit scary because it can be kind of geographically isolating or you can be in a place where there's not a lot of people around, but there's a bunch of warehouses. So if you're wandering around, you might get caught by people that might be nefarious. Yeah. So I've been to a couple little uh, shindigs back in the day and maybe in the past 10 years, I've been to one or two where a bunch of anonymous strangers get together and their best duds and leather and maybe there's a show. Uh, maybe it's painful. Maybe, mm, I remember going to one where there was this huge warehouse and there was a person who was into hanging. They like to put hooks in their back, literal hooks in their back. It's a kink and BDSM thing. I'm not into, I don't do uh, knife play. I don't do needle play. I don't pierce skin. That's not something I'm interested in. But uh, when it comes to sex and that type of thing, some people are though, right? And so they were having a display where someone was actually getting hooks put in their back shoulder blades. Because one common thing that, um, is it Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman? Uh, or, yeah, there was an old in white male interpretation of uh, indigenous people's culture. It might have been Little Big Man. Um, but they would do a rite of passage for initiation for your manhood into the uh, tribe by putting hooks in your back and then hoisting you up on ropes and then swinging you. Okay. And this is supposed to be this uh, orgasmic, spiritual, transcendent experience. Um, one, I, I'll be just fine not experiencing this lifetime. I'd, I'd be fine with that. That being the case, uh, some people get into that and it really does something for them. Right? Okay. I remember walking into this place in this industrial complex. I was with my friend Callie. Callie was a tall blonde. She would maybe a size, oh, zero to three, somewhere in there. Callie liked to wear corsets when she went to go dancing. Callie liked to wear PVC shiny black outfits and wear necklaces that had huge three or four inch chunks of blocks of wood that said nine inch nails and black lipstick. And her hair was as big as it was going to be. I mean, if you remember the Judds back around this time or a lot of a lot of hair around the 80s and 90s. It was big, 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 big. Yeah. So um, I remember we went up to this, uh, it was like a dungeon party. It was supposed to be a big kink fest, you know, for all the weird, wild, strange people. And it was in the rocket, right? And there probably were, I don't know, about 100, 200 people mulling around this thing. But the, the room, I mean, it was a huge half, a, it was half of a football stadium size warehouse. And you walk into this room and then they would have this display. And I remember walking in and they were doing this kind of angel display thing where this person was getting hooks put in and they were getting hoisted up on ropes and uh, not quite my thing. And then you'd look over on this other side where there was all these bricks in the wall that were tall, tall building. And there'd be, oh, well, half a dozen different vendors, people that like to make floggers, you know, uh, maybe they use the softest leather. Uh, maybe they're into Latigo leather. I uh, have a friend who's a leather fetishist who Latigo leather is his favorite. Um, maybe uh, they're going to get, you know, canes and crops. And actually I bought a cane at this particular 
uh, it was an itty bitty little riding crop that had about oh well, half a dozen different little fronds uh, coming out of the end of it like a like a a flogger that only has six or seven tongues on it yeah we had gone up there to experience it and it was interesting i had a really nice night there um i had a friend we were safe she had a fancy car we were both working in it we had extra money and uh you look to the left and on this huge brick wall about two or three stories tall was a porn and there were people fucking and uh, doing kinky porn sex stuff <laughs> And I was like, wow, I've never seen a porn three stories tall, two, three story tall on a wall before. That's a new experience for me. Now, back in the day, you know, when you were going to have to get porn, it was on VHS. And if you were lucky, you had a uh, an old video store that had a section in the back. Well, I had a buddy who I volunteered with, uh, a, a man. So when I wanted to go rent some porn, uh, he would go with me as a friend and uh, let me be there without getting harassed by anybody. And also, I was exploring my sexuality, you know, about men or women and what it was. See, I remember that night at that random, it, they kind of were like flash mobs. And that what would happen is they would say, we're going to have this big shindig, but we're not going to tell you where it's at. And then about a day or two before, you would have to call a number, you would get a code, and that would help you get to the information. It was almost like some kind of, you know, scavenger hunt to get to it. So once you got there, people that got there wanted to be there. <laughs> Because they had to work to, to get there. Um, it was intoxicating swimming in this. It was frightful. It was strange trying to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like. And I was just learning I had some teeth on me that my, my, I might want to hold the flogger. Yeah. I might want to tell someone to get on their knees. Yeah. Okay. So now the thing is, that's not my whole flavor, but I wanted to explore it and um, see what it was about. Yeah. So the hunger, hmm. I'd maybe seen this film within the last, within the five year period of the party I just described to you. This is a uh, mid nineties or so. Yeah. The hunger had sex. The hunger had, <sighs> the imagery was so beautiful. The fact that there was sexuality and sensuality intermingled with his brutal killings and also that it was highly stylized. Uh, Roger Ebert is a favorite writer of mine. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. And I just went to check out his review of The Hunger and uh, he was not kind to the movie. <laughs> he said it was more style and substance and it was a bit too much, you know, the whole thing's about this lesbian love scene between Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. Well, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And they're very wooden. Uh, there's, there's a lot of beauty to it, but it's very slow paced. It's very much like a white man's fantasy of a lesbian love scene. Right. So that's what I experienced in some ways as a mature woman looking back. But uh, all the fabrics that were see-through and the piano, the grand piano, while David Bowie was pretending to play a cello. <laughs> And while Catherine Deneuve was pretending to play a piano, or maybe she was. I mean, if anybody's going to play a piano well, I'd guess Catherine Deneuve might be the person to do it. She's uh, an enigma, that one. Hmm. The Hunger talks about sex and violence and targeting and hunting. How you're craving and you can't stop and you aren't in control of it. Uh, the compulsion and addiction angles are 
definitely there. Also the ancient Egyptian themes. Um, I let myself indulge and I let myself watch it again tonight and I had been putting it off or I don't, there's a lot of things I used to let myself swim in that felt really good, that I felt powerful in, that I felt like this is my flavor, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to try. And as I matured, the consequences of some of those choices and uh, the fact that maybe my tastes are different these days, well, that comes into play. It felt really good to indulge tonight, to not be disciplined, to not be afraid that I'm going to draw a darkness to me just because I want to watch this horror film. And it might still happen. In my experience, when you explore stuff like this or you go back and you swim in it for a while, you might be fine while you're in it. You might be fine a little bit after it. But what happens is it's a, it's a cumulative thing. It's like an echo, just like my meditation. Daily meditation gives me a piece of contentment and serenity sometimes that isn't logical and it isn't like, oh, I did A and B, therefore C. It's cumulative um, or it's indirect sometimes. It's just a vibe sometimes, yeah. Susan Sarandon's in her prime, much as Deneuve and Bowie, and their chemistry is amazing. Ca David Bowie's style and the way he moves lends itself to something that's highly stylized, um, sharp suits, uh, what would Thelonious Monk say? Sharp as possible. That's what these people were dressed like the entire movie. <laughs> you know, her Catherine Deneuve's hair was constantly swept up in these elaborate hairstyles that were reminiscent of the 40s and 50s. A lot of the clothing she was wearing, and this was mid-80s, was retro. And as a girl in Walla Walla, in Goodwill, I had lots of... Uh, jackets and clothing that was retro um the fabrics that they wouldn't make these days you know sewn with such meticulous skill you know so i hope i won't pay the price later but watching that movie was delicious and it makes me want to kind of get into it you know start doing my hair put on some nice makeup see if i could even get anywhere near the style or the beauty or the confidence that's another thing that Catherine Deneuve's character does in this movie. She's a more of a dominant personality. She's also someone who's telepathically communicating because that's her mythical character in this movie as a vampire. It feels good to see people telepathically communicating because uh, I have experienced that in the past and I would like to experience that with someone who can do it. You know, you have to practice in my experience with someone if you want to get that down. The seduction, the manipulation, the lack of consent, not good. <laughs> And the twist at the end, there's some sacrifice in this and that, where there's some self-sacrificial stuff that happens that changes everything. Yeah. But I liked it and I wanted it and I swam in it. It was good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I feel base and I feel almost like a troglodyte trying to describe this, but uh, the hunger, check it out. Be, be forewarned. There's some brutal, disgusting, bloody scenes in that movie. Yet the majority of it is art. Uh, they film the movie in this old, very uh, expensive, kind of gothically designed house. Um, the walls are lined with marble, and you're talking about mausoleum-sized rooms. Um, uh, huge banisters that go up four flights that are ornate and art. Um, 
it's like you're walking into some fantasy land that is of the wealthy, the uber wealthy, but also there's a price to pay for being there. And whether you like it or not, because <laughs> you're going to be a predator or you're going to be prey. And that's your two options there, right? So I liked being around it. I don't want to be a vampire. I don't want to suck blood. I don't want to take a knife that's shaped like an onk and cut nobody's neck. But uh, I want to watch these people move. I want to get lost in Ravel. And I want to get lost in Deliba's Lock Me. And I want to I want to remember what that was like before a pandemic, before January 6th insurrection, before so many things got robbed of us. Yeah. So it looks like we're going to have to start wearing masks again. It looks like LA and New York have seen a huge uptick of over 56% with COVID. And we've also got RSV and the flu going on right now. I'm hearing some major war stories about that flu too, knocking people on their ass. Um, I was talking to my buddy Lucy recently about dancing because I'm a dancer, you know, and um, I haven't been able to dance with people for a long time. Now we can go meet people and dance, but I'm not willing to risk it right now, you know, because of the, the, the illnesses, the airborne illnesses. I was just talking to her about, you know, I want to go dance and meet people and I don't want to die alone out here in the country because you know, we're going through the seventh year of COVID, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of us have lost a lot of time and uh, security and trying to figure out how to live now, you know, the risks that we used to take, the risks that we could take, we can't take now, you know, the same way. So I liked it. I wanted it. What's that old song? I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Yeah. So if you want to go for a swim and uh, explore some beautiful video that has mixed reviews. I mean, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes review on The Hunger, it's not kind. Although to me, it's art. It's beautiful art. And if you adjust your expectations and you don't mind spending an hour and a half with Susan Sarandon, Catherine Deneuve, and David Bowie in a huge, beautiful home full of artwork and... <laughs> grand pianos, cellos, and uh, amazing music. Well, then, you've got some options, yeah? And I don't know a lot of horror films to me where I consider the video to be art. I mean, you know, because you just want to watch it. And there's all this movement going on. There's constant movement going on. It's usually curtains that are swaying in wind. Or if you go up to where she ends up, laying her love into his coffin because he has become advanced age and she has to move on to the next one. There's pigeons flying around and there's always curtains and you could always, there was, you know, it was like you didn't know where you were and there was something sinister waiting that was going to eat you alive. Yeah. I do believe in God. I do believe in the right way. And sometimes I like to be reminded that there's other ways too. Yeah. Anyway, so keeping your alignment clean tonight, indulging in some things that maybe you find leave you a little hungover. Yeah, me too. Me too. Thank you for coming to the house tonight, the house on Valencia Street, where 
art can be part of you too, even if it's sinister and dark, and maybe you'll let yourself indulge now and again. But I'll be up tomorrow morning, meditating and praying, handing it over to God. And hell, I'll probably meditate tonight, trying to clear this out of me a little bit. But anyway, thanks for coming to the house tonight. Just know you're never alone. And you ain't no, you ain't never going to be alone, not here at the house on Valencia Street. Sometimes it's a, well, it's whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm.